Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. Coming into the end of July, I hope that your businesses are all starting to rebound and you're looking positively towards a decent forecast for August. We're ticking along. It's all right. It's uh, It's been a bit of a whirlwind because before this, we were quite international focused and now I've had to pivot to really get to grips with the London marketplace. It's one that we've done, but we haven't owned. So to in order to do that, we've really doubled down. So I've created a leadership network. It's incorporated, and I've done this with Andy Hallett. It's called Lockdown Leadership Network. And we've got a few different groups within that, depending on the size of the company that you are in or own or run. I'm happy to go into much more detail on that at a later date. Um, I've mentioned it a few times, but if you're interested in being around similar type people who want to grow and scale companies, doesn't matter what stage you're at, just hit me up on LinkedIn and we'll get you involved. And part of that means that uh, we've always had a large amount of clients, but I'm getting even more and more and I'm very job heavy. Now, everybody's after high, high level recruiters, so it's not easy. So if any Rector X are listening to this, you know, I'm 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 actively partnered with 10 Rector X handing out jobs all week, really, um, and successfully filling them. So if you'd like, if you feel like you have a bit of time, you could help us out, um, please do get in touch and I'll introduce you to Charlotte. She's running our vendor management solution. Um so that's it. It's uh, it's been absolutely crazy. I feel like I'm in three startups. You know, pivoting the Rector X, setting up scale in Dublin, um, which we're hopefully gonna close our first deal in very next week. Maybe here's hoping. Um, still sweating on that. And then the Lockdown Leadership Network, which now has a few hundred members across the three different levels of of uh, businesses so it's pretty full-on but it's exciting i kind of enjoy being in the thick of it there was a period there where business was going really well we were moving loads of people abroad and i was pretty bored and uninspired but this is this covid situation has kind of given me the the bit between my teeth to go and reinvent our business in every way I can think of possibly and I've kind of just got free reign to do it because it's crisis mode it's how do we get to break even every month how can we do it what do we need to do who needs to do what and maybe I'm not the easiest to deal with because of that but uh, it is what it is and we all have to just get stuck in until we get to a better place today's guests well one of them's definitely making it and the other has made it so um, it's Simon Childs who is on the board at RGF. They are owned by a larger conglomerate. And why I brought him on is because in these recent episodes, we hear a little bit about the deal was done by a Japanese buyer and uh, they purchased this company here and there. Um, Well, if there's a deal done like that, Simon Childs is invariably involved. And as he is the man behind the man, pulling the strings, deciding which companies have get are getting bought um, and working independently for RGF as their primary advisor as they they grow and 
acquire different types of businesses. He's really interesting. He has, uh, he has his hands in lots of different pies. So, th- from rec tech, he does even owns a, re- a recruitment to recruitment business. He, uh, yeah, he's a few different specialist businesses that he has uh, major shareholds in, and just a nice guy, very smart. And I was made aware of him by Derek Kenny, who is one of the main men at Cornerstone. And Derek is at an earlier stage of his journey where they are private equity backed by Morgan Stanley. They thought they were going to go public. However, I think that is delayed due to Corona. Um, He alluded to it in the podcast and was quite optimistic about their positioning in the Chinese market and the Asian market in general. And you can see he leverages a lot of Simon's knowledge and really respects him. And uh, and they, they have a good, good dynamic between them. And I would like to thank them for their time, for coming on and sharing their knowledge uh, with you, with me, with, uh, with everybody. So um, over to the guys. Hope you enjoy this one. Um, I'm 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 enjoying finding out a little bit more about the deal size, the side of recruitment agencies, and trying to just figure out what our own community can offer uh, companies who are looking to acquire and sell, and uh, and always trying to move that little bit further up the food chain. So that's enough for me. Over to the guys. Have a great day. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. I'm joined here today by Simon Childs from RGF and Derek Kenny from Cornerstone. How are you today, gentlemen? Doing well, thank you, Dalta. Um, I'm in uh, yeah, I'm in Tokyo. It's um, blistering hot day here. We we've just finished the Abon summer holidays here, so we've been getting up into the late 30s, 30, 38, 39, 40 degrees. Um, but for sure. Working from home in a nice air-conditioned uh, home office, so uh, no complaints, my end. And yourself, Derek, how are you? Good. It's a, a typhoon eight here last night, so I thought the glass was going to blow in on top of me. Have you ever been in a typhoon before? <laughs> I feel like I'm in one, one at the moment here in the UK. Um, congratulations. Uh, you, you, you recently became a dad? Yeah, dad now. 18, 19-month-old kid, so he wakes me up every morning at 4.15 on the dock. Daddy, daddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. My wife says, I'm not getting up. You get up. And then that's it. The day starts. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so thank you. So it's going to be an interesting chat today, gentlemen. I, I think between both mm-hmm. of you, you, you have a real grip on the Asian marketplace. Um, and Derek, we've had you on before and you're, you're part of a major scale up at the moment. And Simon has been and done and ran that race and now an advisor in the world so suppose we just uh, start by where, where where did you guys first come across each other do you want me to go I'll first let i'll let you well, yeah my 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 best mate in hong kong happened to be working in the same service office building as as derek and uh i think derek at that point was working with another business before cornerstone and he was looking to 
maybe do something different with his life, take things in a different direction, start his own business. And uh, anyway, this guy's name is Steve. He, he connected uh, Derek and I. Derek and I came over to an office that I was sitting in, one of the businesses that Recruit had acquired in the region in Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, no, we had a good chat. I think we, we, we hit it off. We talked about um, specialization and other things that maybe hopefully Derek remembers more than me. But no, we just kept in contact ever since then. And that's it. There is the world of expat recruitment in Asia and the upper echelon. Is that quite small? Like, is there, is there only so many of you? There's a lot. You know, it's, it's, uh, when I first started in Japan, there was, a, there was, which is, I'm going back 20, 20 years now. It's, there's, um, a small number working in, in Tokyo, but a lot of them were actually involved in running the, the boutique businesses there. I mean, for Japanese people, they weren't really at that point seeing recruitment as a, as a, as a career option, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, why would Japanese people at mid and senior level change careers? Like they didn't do that 20 years ago, but since then it's, when I go back to, go out on the streets of Tokyo and I, I connect There's hundreds of expats, um, you know, not just from, from the West, but from, from other parts of Asia, uh, from Australia, New Zealand, in Hong Kong, um, in, in Tokyo. Hong Kong is, is, as Derek will, will testify in Singapore too, is, is, is uh, quite heavily populated with expats, particularly at the senior levels. Um, but we're seeing more and more locals come through leadership positions, which is, which is great to see. Derek, uh, where's the major focus for your business at the moment? Uh, across which market and which country? Um, so in Hong Kong, it's uh, we have a technology consulting business, which is growing a lot actually. So um, called Enterprise Solutions. Then we have a Lake Street Search. So Lake Street Search is a high-end uh, business play, um, focused on placing like CEOs, uh, C-level executives, and chairmen into mainland Chinese financial services businesses. That's still going very well. Um, and then we have a corporate banking and insurance and supply chain business. So some of the businesses obviously got hurt with the virus and so on, but the Chinese-focused businesses have done pretty well, and also the uh, the, the contracting slash consulting tech business is doing very well. What's the uh, what's the general mood amongst expats in in Hong Kong at the moment? It's hard to know with the, with the media. So let me give you a bit of little bit of background, right? The most expats in Hong Kong are moaning about, oh, China's coming in, they're going to take over the place. I've been to Shanghai, I've lived in Shenzhen. They're nice places. It's like, I don't know what they're moaning about. Do you know what? My life hasn't changed here one bit. Most people's lives haven't changed. So if you ask me, Hong Kong is still an amazing place. And there's no, there's no difference to me in my daily life. Like zero difference. Yeah. So you're, you hear a lot of expats moaning now. As if China is a big enemy, but they've never been to China. You know, <laughs> they, they live in Hong Kong. They've never been to China. It's crazy. Well, look, I think I think, I think Derek yeah. has one thing in his favor with with you know being being married to, to someone from from mainland China and and understanding business practices in China, being part of an organization which has offices all over China. But but I think you know for for a lot of expat recruiters who don't have that link with uh, with mainland China, they're just running their own boutiques in in, in Hong Kong. I mean, they're just seeing this triple whammy. You know, they're seeing the trade war with with America. You know, it's just kind of Trump's play around the presidential elections. They're seeing, um, you know, uh, the impacts of protests, which started to stop a lot of tourists coming in and shut down, uh, you know, all the infrastructure in Hong Kong and the introduction of the national security law. And then they're seeing the impacts of COVID. And Hong Kong is quite, 
restrictive. I mean, compared to the UK, for example, or Ireland, just in terms of you know quickly shutting down borders and and you know sort of making sure quarantines happen and uh, only two people at a time in Hong Kong can go out, for example, right now, and they need to be masked. So it's a it's a fairly. I mean, I think Derek is. Well, I guess talks a lot of recruiters, not just in businesses I manage, but just generally in Hong Kong. Derek is on the upper upper end of the scale in terms of you know optimism and doing all right and and seeing sort of you know a bit of blue ocean or blue sky. But I think there's a lot of them who are really just wondering, you know, how I'm going to get through this and can I pay my staff and, you know, who, who, who's going to go next? Because, you know, the number of hires have, have dramatically shrunk um, and, you know, people can't get out if one's working from home. So I think I think there's kind of two sets, if you like, amongst the expat community there. And let's jump in, Simon. What, uh, what's your current role? You're a man who has lots of different things going on. Like yourself, Dota, wear, wear a few hats. Uh, my, 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 my day job um, is working as an external advisor to the international recruitment business of Recruit Holdings. Um, so Recruit Holdings is popularly listed. It's, it's, a, it's a huge uh, global um, business that owns Indeed.com. It owns Glassdoor. It owns a lot of staffing businesses around the world. It owns a lot of media businesses. It owns a lot of job boards in Japan, in China, uh, and so forth. Um, and the, the international recruiting business is a relatively small part of, of that big, you know, tens of billions of dollar business. Um, but I work with, with the board, a Japanese board, um, having sold my business to them back in the tail end of 2007, just before the GFC, which is a story in itself. Um, so I, I've been working with them ever since as, uh, as first of all, as a shareholder in my own business, exiting my shares uh, into um, a management employee. I went to, to Hong Kong and, and India with these guys to, to look at acquisitions and develop organic businesses with them um, to now being an advisor on the outside. And, and on top of that, on the side, I, I, um, in, I've invested in, in a number of things. So I have a, uh, an RPO business out of Manila, which is called Talent Spark, which does a lot of work with uh, with U.S. firms to help them with, um, uh, you know, client lead generation and candidate sourcing and competitor mapping and so forth. Some work in Asia as well. Um, I've invested in a in a quite successful rec to rec business that that does a lot of work, not just with the recruit group but elsewhere. Um, and the other thing I've been involved with quite recently is HR tech, just particularly things that I understand that would move the recruiting world, if you like. So I've invested and advised to four or five different businesses in sort of background checking and, you know, candidate sentiment analysis. And, um, you know, these, these, these types of things are, are what, I'm, what I'm involved with. And, and yeah, that's I'm kind of like a little bit all over the place, but, yeah. but happily busy, yeah. Gary, which part of what uh, Simon does interests you most to talk about? I think, um, like, first of all, you know, Simon is a bit of a legend in around the recruitment circles here and in Hong Kong and Asia. Because Simon was a police officer first, right, in Hong Kong, in Asia. You know, that'd be so interesting. And then moved into the headhunting business, built his own headhunting business, sold it for millions of US dollars, then goes in to do the M&A field. So the reason Simon is so interesting is because he didn't just go into M&A. He actually built a successful recruitment company, sold it for millions of dollars, and then went into the M&A. So yeah. I think I, I love the M&A stuff because we've been doing M&A stuff um, as well. And I think uh, you know, that must be very interesting. And Simon's obviously very good at it, doing the M&A for one of the biggest 
recruitment firms in the world. Like they're more than recruitment, right? What were they at? Eight billion USD revenue at one stage, Simon. Oh, and it's 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 way north of that now through through the acquisitions. Um, so it's 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 twenty something plus now. It's 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 big. Wow. It's it's because they've got the Indeed business, they've got Glassdoor, they've they've acquired all these staffing companies and pulled it pulled it together. So um, yeah, it's it's around that that kind of number. It's, it's big. What what's your so role within the M and A piece in that business? No more uh, in the sense that we are currently doing, we're not active in the M&A field right now, at least in the international recruiting business. I think Recruit, as, as, as Derek knows well, is, is a big organization. It sort of operates in silos to a certain extent. Indeed, is a business on its own. The staffing is a, is a large vertical on its own. And, uh, you know, we belong in the media solutions business. Um, so some, maybe somewhat awkwardly within that space. So all of those different silos have their own, strategies around M&A, I advise or have advised the, the, uh, the permanent recruiting um, side of, 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 uh, of, of recruit holdings. And that has taken me to, you know, into China, into, into, into Southeast Asia, into India, some exploratory trips into Europe, uh, North America, South America, um, just to have a look and try and understand, you know, what, what other people are doing. But I think in this market, um, you know, it's, it's just more for us at least, and I, I can't really go into too much detail. It's more, um, you know, just, just about preserving what we have. And, and it's, it's tough across Asia, you know, some of the markets we're in, in, in India and Southeast Asia and um, less so Japan, but, but you know, they're under the cosh for, mm. for everybody these days. So um, yeah, M&A is not super active at this point. In, in no, I, I, and I, like I, I had Rod Hora on yesterday, um, who's a broker in, the, in, in Australia. And know him well. Uh, right, I'm sure. And so I've had, had a few people on, and, and look, every, it's a holding pattern. Um, but what interests me about yourself is, like, walk me into what it was like before COVID. So the, the board say, we're thinking of making an acquisition. Maybe it's search, or maybe it's life sciences. Simon, what, what do we do next? Like, wh- at which point do you come in, and what does that look like? So I think for, for our business, uh, we, we were, if you like, the, the proverbial 800-pound gorilla in Japan, like, you know, number one in staffing, number one in permanent recruiting, number one as a job board, but nothing, at least when I was involved uh, in the early stage of selling my business to, to recruit and working for the Marine region, nothing outside, not like zero uh, sort of footprint, you know. Um, then, the, the, if you like, the, the job um the job board piece, if you like, they made an acquisition or an investment in 51job.com. Uh, on the permanent recruiting side, it was really more around geographical expansion. So we were considering organic growth versus, um, you know, acquisition to grow. And I think in those days, and I'm going back to the early 2010s, uh, there was definitely a feeling that recruit were going to go public at some point. And, you know, I, I felt very strongly that having a, a strong Asian footprint where we had offices in just about every location in Asia would, um, would, would certainly, help the, certainly help the IPO. Um, and it was important for us to be serving initially Japanese clients and, and, and some MNCs in, in the region. So I went to Hong Kong. My business partner went to Singapore. Um, his name is Jason. What he did is he just built a very successful business in, in Singapore. There's no acquisition as such. Just grew it to, you know, over a, over 100 people there. 
um, you know, both perm and, and some contract business, hired some great people, built strong specialization, really established it as a regional hub. When we looked at the China markets and when we looked at the Indian markets, we sort of figured it would be very hard for us to do it ourselves without some form of, of acquisition or partnership, if you like. Um, we did, and so that we have a brand within Recruit called HRA, which is it really is an organic brand that, we, that serves Japanese clients in the region. That's pretty much everywhere in Asia. Uh, it's run by Japanese. It works only for Japanese clients and it employs um, often Japanese or bilingual uh, locals to work for those Japanese clients. It's a dominant force in Asia. But outside that, we were looking at partnerships um, and we developed a couple of partnerships in, uh, in, in Greater China and in India and, and established our own businesses alongside those as well, where we felt there were areas that they perhaps weren't developing or weren't so specialized in. So, so that's kind of kind of where we are today. And when I came back from uh, a year in India in 2013, uh, having hired and started my own business, and then we, we, we acquired a business there as well, um, I then took on another role, which is more kind of like, uh, if you like, board advisory, setting up the L&D businesses across the region. Because of these businesses we were applying, uh, we were buying, acquiring, were saying, so, you know, what value are you going to bring us, right? The owners did well, yeah. they made some money out of it, you know, but what about us? Where are you going to add value? And so we've been looking at client referrals and learning and development, training and leadership opportunities for the guys ever since. And I was part of the uh, the core team that set that up. Yeah. And Derek, when you look at the, the journey that Simon's been, been on, does it, does it strike a chord of where you're at now from you're in this high growth mode, you're, you're looking like what's next? Well, <laughs> you know, last year we were thinking we're going to file for an IPO this year. And you never know, we, we might still file the end of the year, who knows? Um, but then the whole world just imploded kind of, you know, so um, I think this year it, we were on the way up and then we've kind of taken a little bit of a, you know, a lull. So I, um, I hope we can build this company for the IPO, like we said we would do, or maybe, you know, some kind of major sale at some stage. But um, I don't think I'm anywhere near Simon's level right now. You know, he's done it. He's been there, done it. He's done lots of M&A. So I'm only starting out compared to him. Sure, absolutely. But when uh, when you both look at the international market outside of Asia, um, like in the UK, there's a lot of focus on expansion within the USA and all the scalable firms, many of which are in our leadership network that you're that you're a part of, Derek. Um, it, it it seems like a natural a natural one but yet i hear a lot from the australian market that japanese companies just love acquiring australian based businesses is there is the focus a regional play for you or is it a global play you talking to me or yeah why don't we start with you derek because you're you're in the yeah. thick of it recently i'll just go through what we've been doing recently right so uh, chris watkins is the big dog by the way and he's over in the us and he um I believe we're just about to close an acquisition on a company in the US. We did have an acquisition pretty much done in Singapore um, last week. And then the guy's company who we were buying, he's actually a friend of mine, kind of, you know, the whole thing just unraveled at the last minute due to, you know, I think it just wasn't the right fit for us. So we were expanding at the moment globally because we have to do acquisitions for our IPO and obviously Morgan Stanley being behind us with media capital so we're pretty we have a very strong balance sheet put it that way which is we're quite fortunate in that sense but we've been looking at acquisitions in europe and um, america 
and Southeast Asia, generally outside of China, because in, in China we were very, very strong. They were very strong. We've won every award you can imagine in China. We're all over the country. Um, outside of China, we're trying to strengthen our presence now in Southeast Asia, Europe, America. So hopefully we can get the acquisition done in the US pretty soon. I know Chris is working hard on it, so he's the, he, he's the man we roll out to do all the deals. He's the big boss, you know? <laughs> So uh, what does he work with like a team of brokers and, and goes out and gets introductions and starts putting people through DD and stuff? Is, is that how that, that works? Or? Yeah. Chris is one of these guys. He, um, we've, we have a big CFO, right? We hired Randstad CFO to come into our business, um, obviously getting us ready for the, for, the, uh, for the IPO. Chris is one of these guys. He can probably do it all on his own. You know? he, knows more, he knows the numbers better than a CFO does. Yeah. Um, and he does work with brokers, but generally, I think he sources the deals himself, or we source it through our own network. Um, I know he does work with, with brokers, but I think the, the stuff that's in our pipeline right now has either been through me, Chris, or, or Sean um, in Singapore or the US. You know, yeah. what uh, what market in the US is attractive right now? Um, I think he's looking at life sciences and tech. Um, I know we were looking at a firm in San Francisco and then another one in Boston. I think the Boston one was life sciences because you know we have a very strong life sciences business in China and they, they did have a lot of back and forth but with Donald Trump uh, you know, trade war and everything else going on, they're, they're trying to stop the transfer of talent I think so that maybe might get in the way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely tricky. And, and Simon, what, what's... Uh... What, what are you seeing in the HR tech world right now? You mentioned that you're, you're part of that. Um, what do you think is coming next that's going to be transformative for the recruitment industry? Look, that's, that's, that's a great question. I, I think there's a number of things right now which is just absolutely trans, transforming what, what we're doing. Um, so we're all working from home, or largely working from home, and a lot of our clients and candidates are as well. So I've just been amazed at, you know, how quickly some firms are managing to adapt to, to work from home. So they're using really powerful video interviewing tools, you know, so whether that's companies like Kaizen Recruit or Audro or Interview or Hiveview, whatever, um, you know, to, to, to get through the, the process of uh, hiring for themselves, hiring for the clients, that's obviously a, a, is kind of a game changer. I think the other thing that's really, really changing is, is because we are working at home, there's a lot of apps out there right now which are, are being used to kind of measure, if you like, um, you know, the emotional health, uh, mental health of, of uh, recruiters in, in the field who are working from home under quite stressed conditions and maybe with, uh, you know, nervous parents or, you know, whatever it is um, around COVID-19 and so forth. So there's a lot of really cool apps that are, that are, that are out there to, to sort of you know, manage manage that I've, I've seen companies like meet and engage 360 hpi and so forth are good 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 tools worth worth, worth experimenting with um, and i think the other is is just the explosion in online learning and development and investing in in uh you know because we're not getting face-to-face -face stuff so i'm seeing so many uh you know podcasts from from uh, from recruiting trainers trying to get the message out there i'm seeing some really cool um, you know, software out there, apps out there to help help onboard and help train and help upskill recruiters. So I think those are the kind of the the areas that that I'm that I'm seeing that are that are real. You know, if you like game game changes for our business, as well as um, because we're not meeting candidates face to face, and we're seeing an explosion of 
um, you know, candidates looking for jobs because of unemployment and so forth. Just some really intelligent um, sifting tools, AI tools out there, and um, you know, online gaming tools and so forth that help recruiters cut through vast swaths of uh, potential candidates and bring it down to a kind of you know a sizable uh, talent pool, if you like, that they can filter, interview, and and get out to clients. Um, so those are things. Background vetting would be another one. Online background vetting, putting stuff on the blockchain. Um, you know, just everything that can be done to speed up um, the life of a recruiter, so he can focus more on, on 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 thought leadership and client development and really getting to know his candidates. Just just anything that can can speed that. And, and we're seeing just so much of that in Asia right now. Yeah. I think uh, we can all agree that COVID has fast forwarded everything exponentially and one of the things that you just touched upon there is the work from home element um look it's it, it's no secret it's tough to get the best out of people work from home if you look at the stats i know there's a lot of we're doing great out there but it it is it is a challenge and it's not yeah. for everyone when you're in the future when the world recovers and you, you look at acquisitions are you going to be looking at people who are actually built better for working from home as well as the office what do you think will be will that look like because i'm seeing two different things in the marketplace i'm seeing in in the uk i'm getting clients are like we're back in it's the office it's it's what it is in the us in new york i'm seeing the same companies saying no no we're not too keen on the real estate anymore. We might keep the cost down, which is interesting that there's parallel things happening in the one company. Yeah. It, it, I feel like what I'm getting at is it seems like we're very disjointed in our strategy of what the new company looks like. Well, I think, it's, it's, I think, I think I, I'm, I'm inclined to think it's more the second case, the U S scenario, you know, like there's a lot of gung ho. We're all going to get back in the office and everything, but the reality is, is some of you know, some of the biggest tech companies in the world, including Indeed.com, including you know Google and uh, Amazon or whatever, they're, they're, they're telling the staff to come back in July next year, and who knows where we'll be in July next year, right? So I think in a way we'll we'll naturally you know start mimicking our clients, and I think a lot of recruiters when we get through this will will have adapted to working from home and and recruiters will be able to attract talent by saying, you know, we're going to give you that option. It might not be five days a week, but it might be two days. It might be three days. And further to your question around, you know, acquisition. Yes. If we were, if we were looking, if I could go back in time, if back to 2011, 12, 13, and it was present day, and we did have a, a the wherewithal and, and the budget and the strategy to, to go and acquire companies that absolutely be looking at how they are managing their people. And because we can't see them or feel them in the office, you know, when you do, when you do M&A and you walk into an office, of course the staff don't know you're there because of that, unless it's a very small company and the owner's talking. When you walk around the pit or the sales floor, you get a feel for the buzz, the excitement, you see how people are, how they look, how they, you know, how sharp they are, how, you know, how emotionally engaged they are. When you're going to do M&A in the future, now or in the future, you, you don't have that, right? So if I was doing it right now, I would be, I would be looking to, to companies that are using um, emotional intelligence measurement tools uh, to really engage with the workforce. I'm not talking about SurveyMonkey or Pulse thing that goes out and asks, how are you feeling right now? But something that really looks at their health, you know, looks at how they uh, – 
you know, how resilient they are, how, how emotionally well they're feeling, how engaged they're feeling about the workplace. You know, I think these things are, are very important. And, and if you went into two companies and one had all that and had all the stats and was showing, you know, that they've noticed certain trends and they're improving and, you know, they've managed to, you know, like nip things in the bud and, and make, make pivot and introduce lifestyle changes, which, which has raised their scores. And you go into another company, which is just saying, oh, yeah, all our people are doing fine. I know which I would be talking to more seriously about if all things were even, yeah. right? Because the company that's made that investment, they're more likely to get out the other end of this. And the next normal might be normal for a very long time. So, yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, that's us for today. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, always a pleasure, Derek. And Simon, really great to meet you. Um, I welcome you into the WhatsApp group. Uh, great to get somebody like you in there who can add so much value. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Good work, Cheers, Derek. All the best. Yeah, take care. Well, thanks very much for listening. I hope you found it entertaining and insightful and interesting. Uh, big thanks to Derek Kenny for introducing me to Simon and big thanks uh, to Simon for coming on and sharing all his knowledge or a part of his knowledge. Um, it's really, really interesting um, after hearing about all the Japanese deals to really understand what that what that looks like and how they go about it. But uh, both these guys are in our community, by the way, um, as are a lot of our guests. And they're sharing information actively on how they build their businesses, on what they're seeing in the marketplace, uh, geographically, everything. So if you're interested, uh, just drop me a line and come on in. Or just a, a recap on it. Our main group, the Bounty, or our top group, the Bounty, we've got some We've got some private equity guys, some brokers, and some top-tier CEOs from PLCs and founders for businesses that are probably going to get an event over the next period of time. Um, in the bridge, we have a lot of owner managers or owner directors um, and country managers. Uh, usually, they will be in charge of less than 50 people. However, there are a few big hitters in there uh, as well. There's quite a bit of go between between the two those two groups. Uh, in our other group, our future leaders group, the dinghy, we have I think we are up to about seventy in there, and they're all recent startups um, or people who are actually considering it right now. Um, so really, if it's if you if you want to set up your own recruitment business, you have any questions, come on in there, um, reach out to us. Andy Hallett's in there giving out free advice. He'll probably be running some group courses uh, to help you help you get started and get off the ground. Um, anybody who joins will be able to take advantage of any of the groups of some of the price concessions we're going to have from the technology and service providers to the industry. All right, great stuff. Have a great week.